Hey, this is Thor from Cybrary. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or one of our other series like 401 Access Denied or Go For It with Sarah Moffat, then make sure to like, follow, or subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. And we'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cybrary.it and you could be featured in a future episode. From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show. How did Meg West go from a political science degree to an incident response manager in three years? Listen to her story of perseverance and her advice for any of you who want to jump into the dynamic cybersecurity field. We debunk the biggest myths about security work, uncover what it's really like to be a woman in tech, and discuss her growing virality on YouTube as Cybersecurity Meg. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cyberry Podcast. This is Ladies Hour. This is the first time for all three of us here on the Cyberry Podcast, and we're so excited to be here. My name is Sarah Faraji, and I'm the newest course manager here on the content development team. And I'd like to introduce my colleague, my partner in crime, fellow course manager, Jen Barnaby. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Sarah. I'm Jen Barnaby. As she said, I'm one of the course managers here at Cybrary. Uh, we work with our instructors uh, to help put courses together and sort of make sure that we have the right roadmap of courses coming for our learners. And I'm so excited to welcome Meg West to our podcast today. Um, she is a cybersecurity incident response manager for IBM's X-Force. And I know her as um, Cybersecurity Meg. I found her on Twitter. She is uh, really a great guest to have here. She holds a master's in cybersecurity um, and also has the CISSP certification and the SEC Plus certification, Security Plus. And uh, when I ran across her, um, she just had a lot of a really wealth of information for people who are trying to get into cybersecurity, um, talked about her journey in the, in the role that she has. And so we're so happy to welcome you here, Meg. Um, how are you doing? Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited to be here and I look forward to all the interesting shenanigans and topics we're going to get into. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, like I mentioned, um, I, one of the thought leaders in the industrial control systems, um, uh, field, I noticed him complimenting you on your videos. You have a YouTube channel. Um, you talk about how to, you know, how you got into the field and then just a lot of practical information about how to do things as an incident responder and, um, just in general resume writing, all kinds of things like that. Uh, so one of the things we just wanted to start out with is just asking you, um, you know, how you got interested in the cybersecurity field and decided to pursue a career in cybersecurity. Sure. That's a great opening question. I feel like oftentimes when people are trying to get into cybersecurity, they perhaps feel if they don't have a background in IT or they don't know everything about programming or computers, well, then maybe they think cybersecurity isn't the right career for them. And ironically, my background was in political science. That's what my undergraduate degree is in. So not perhaps the most related to cybersecurity. But I ended up working at a company called Tech Data, which is a Fortune 100. I always laugh, the Fortune 100 no one's ever heard of. And 
I somehow landed in a position working on their cloud team. And I absolutely grew to love working in IT. It was, you know, so much to learn, so exciting, so challenging. So that led me to imply, apply eternally to tech data on their cybersecurity team. And I thankfully got hired. I began as a junior cybersecurity analyst. And within about my three and a half or four years working there, I went all the way from that junior cybersecurity analyst role up to being the global cybersecurity incident response manager. And since then, I've just never looked back. You know, it's such an engaging and rewarding field to be in constantly every day. I feel like there's a new zero day released or just something brand new that gets my attention. I I love how exciting of a field it is. Yeah, sounds like it's really exciting. And I love hearing about your fascinating and fast paced kind of career trajectory and starting you know, from political science, and now you're here. Really fascinating story. And I'm also interested in you as a content creator. I absolutely love your YouTube channel. So informative and engaging. You've reached 10,000 subscribers already since you started your channel in 2020. And that's amazing. You're on your way to that silver button. Uh, I am just interested in learning more about uh, what led you to want to be a content creator on YouTube and what are you learning through your online community engagement? Mm -hmm. So there are several reasons that I felt encouraged to you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't refer to myself as a content creator. I guess I'm still too like shying away from that word. It's just such a, um, a big name that I'm not ready to label myself as, but I'll be quite frank. I had no idea when I first sat down to create my YouTube video, the first the absolute first YouTube video I created, I had no idea that people would actually have an interest in what I had to say, but, um, what catalyzed that was I was studying for the CISSP exam. And wherever I turned to get direction or resources or really any information, I felt like everyone I was looking at who was creating content, they didn't look like me. It was always the same you know, middle-aged male, and that was just kind of on repeat. And I'm a big believer of when people sit down to try to achieve something, if they're not seeing anyone who looks like them or identifies like them or has an experience like them, it makes it that much more difficult to connect, to really kind of identify with the message that's being shared. And I also felt like but there was a lot of gatekeeping going on. Um, obviously, women are a minority in the cybersecurity field. So I felt like, you know, women and other minorities were vastly underrepresented. So I kind of wanted to fill the gap, so to say. I know that's, you know, really big shoes to try to fill, but I wanted to kind of be the face of, hey, you can do this. You don't need to fit into these specific XYZ requirements that you so often hear in order to be successful or to accomplish something that you're trying to within the cybersecurity field. Yeah, that's that's interesting. We um, were wondering about that because you did cover that on your YouTube channel, just sort of like what's what it's like to be in the cybersecurity field as a woman and, um, you know, just in IT in general, I think. Um, and I was wondering if you, you know, if you still feel like it's sort of a boys club and how is it evolving? I know, you know, you're active on Discord and different other places where people are, you know, wanting to help each other out. Do you find that, um, you know, you still face barriers in those places or is it is it kind of evolving and getting better? 
It's a very interesting question. Definitely, I still think it's, I don't want to say it's a boys club. However, I will say by the sheer, you know, actual mathematics of it, absolutely. It's, chances are, if you go to work at a new position on a cybersecurity team, you're going to be working with the vast majority of males. So in that sense, yes, it's a boys club. That said, I have found that the more confidence I've garnered in my abilities, my technical acumen, my, you know, battling with imposter syndrome and overcoming it, the less obstacles I've covered. When I'm able to present myself as someone who is well-accomplished, well-spoken, I know I have the uh, technical acumen, the background to present myself and to achieve whatever the goal is in cybersecurity, that garners a lot more respect and attention. Should it be that way? I don't know. That's you know a whole another debate. Perhaps people should just respect each other off the basis of, oh, we work together or you know we're colleagues, that kind of ordeal. But um, absolutely, I think... I think minorities of any kind in cybersecurity have a lot more challenges trying to get into the field. Um, But thankfully, I've noticed that the higher I climb within the field, the less obstacles I'm encountering. Yeah, what you're saying reminds me so much of a YouTube video I saw of yours as well as podcasts where you talk about misconceptions about women in tech. And I'm also interested in learning about misconceptions that you've seen about the cybersecurity field in general, especially in popular culture. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what you think are some of the biggest misconceptions about cybersecurity and pop culture and debunk some of those for us? Yeah, absolutely. There are several right off the top of my head. Probably the most widely proliferated one is that in order to get into cybersecurity, you need to walk 10 miles backwards up a hill in the snow and that you have to go through such rigorous obstacles in order to get your first cybersecurity position. I'm a very large advocate for once I get to where I'm going and once I've achieved the goal that I originally set out to achieve, that I should be turning back around and doing my best to help the person who's trying to get to where I'm at. Instead of making it such to complex journey that I encountered myself, I think we should be making it easier for the people who are to come, especially in today's cybersecurity state where we have several million positions open and not enough people to fill them. We shouldn't be making it so difficult for people to try to get into cybersecurity. We shouldn't be gatekeeping or trying to ward people off. We should be trying to help them get into the field in the most efficient and proficient manner as possible. That said, another really big misconception, I feel, and I we kind of touched on this earlier, is that a lot of people say if you don't have all this IT experience and you don't know how to program and you don't have the degree in cybersecurity or IT, then you don't belong in the field. But one of the most widely misunderstood things is that cybersecurity isn't solely just a technical field. There are so many different subfields of cybersecurity. Perhaps one that a lot of people aren't familiar with, it's called GRC, which that stands for Governance, Risk, and Compliance, if anyone's not familiar with it. But it's an entire subfield of cybersecurity that's generally not technical, but it's still so incredibly vital to cybersecurity in any side in any size of an organization. So you don't need those programming skills. You don't need to know how a source or a SIM solution works. Um, In that kind of GRC subfield, definitely you're gonna be a positive benefit to the cybersecurity field without having to be that super techie person. So I think the, the 
excuse me, I think the thing that we're debunking here is that you need to be technical to work in cybersecurity or that cybersecurity in itself is a technical field. Absolutely, it is to some degree, but we need non-technical people just as much as we need technical folk too. Yeah, I mean, that means a lot to me and Sarah because we're we're actually not, you know, highly technical in our field, but we work with people who are and we kind of try to bridge the gap to make sure that our content is understandable, um, especially for those trying to break into the to the field. So that's really a great point. Um, I also know that you've, you've done um, an interview, interviews on TV and um, I've seen on your Twitter feed that you've mentioned how um, practicing cybersecurity is not just about protecting assets and data, but also about protecting people's jobs and livelihoods. And, you know, it can be really serious business. I was wondering, um, you know, kind of what, what made you say that and, you know, were you drawing from, you know, specific instances that you, you dealt with, um, you know, where people's lives or not lives, I'm sorry, people's jobs are on the line and that type of thing. Yeah, so I I think a lot of people get into cybersecurity because they think it's an easy job to make a lot of money in. And there's nothing wrong with that because there's definitely a lot of truth to it. We all know cybersecurity is generally going to be a very high paying field. And absolutely, you know, if you're trying to make good money, it's a great field to get into. That said, I think we need to differentiate between what are the best reasons to get into cybersecurity. There's no shame in wanting to make a lot of money. We all go to work and have a job because we need to make money. But another reason to care about your job and to do your best every day that you can possibly extend is because in cybersecurity, especially people who are working on a blue or defensive team, is that you're literally protecting people's jobs. If, say, your organization has a data breach and your quote-unquote crown jewels, maybe the recipe for Coca-Cola gets breached and that gets put out into the public eyes and suddenly you have 10 other companies that are making Coca-Cola, right? Well, of course, that wouldn't be ideal for Coca-Cola. Their stock would probably drop. They probably have to do some layoffs. Some people would lose their jobs. These are the kind of scenarios that run through my brain. And I think oftentimes cybersecurity professionals lose sight of what the end goal is. We think, yeah, we're just protecting data. But at the end of the day, it's the reality that if that data is stolen, if it's put into the wrong hands of someone who shouldn't have it, who's going to use it for nefarious purposes, let's say that an attacker breaches an organization and they get into an HR database that has a bunch of social security numbers or banking information, and that data gets put on the dark web, you could possibly be sentencing thousands of people at an organization to a lifetime of fraud monitoring and wondering, you know, is my, is my identity being stolen, et cetera. So I think it goes a lot deeper than we're just protecting data. Um, we're protecting data that could affect our colleagues or affect our customers or affect the stakeholders and the stock price. And in turn, if that company goes under because of the cybersecurity breach, then who loses their jobs at the end of the day? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I mean, we saw, you know, recently things, you know, everything from gas stations going, you know, not having gas and things like that. So um, it can help, you know, can really affect um, everyone, people who, you know, rely on that for their livelihood. So it's a really good point. Um, Turning now to, you know, sort of advice you might have for people in, you know, trying to get into the field or, you know, trying to get ahead in their careers. Um, I was wondering, you know, getting as far as you have, you know, you've, you've put in a lot of, uh, you know, big time commitment, um, takes a lot of organizational strategies and that type of thing. What kinds of 
um, you know, recommendations would you have for people who are trying to get into the field um, or organize their time and, um, you know, studying for certifications and that type of thing? Do you have any strategies that you would recommend? Sure. I would say the biggest tip I can give is that you can't do everything. Unfortunately, another one of those stereotypes about cybersecurity professionals or even those who are trying to get into cybersecurity is that if you're not doing cybersecurity 24-7, then you're not worthy of working in the field. And the reality is, is not everyone can know everything about every field of cybersecurity. That's why we have people who specialize in things such as incident response or cloud security or application security. I think the best thing people can do when they're trying to get into cybersecurity is to really hone in on what exactly it is they're interested in, if they have an idea, and then to approach that with as much tenacity and vigor as they can. I also think it's imperative to find a support network of good friends or joining a local meetup group or finding someone you can shadow at a local organization so you can kind of get an overview of what exactly it looks like to be in that day-to-day job. Um, So going back kind of to the first point, if you're trying to learn everything, which again is impossible, you're probably going to burn out really quickly and you're going to spread yourself really thin. So try to identify and target what's going to be the most crucial information for you to have on your resume. What skills do you need to know? What certifications do you need to have to get to where you're trying to go? And once you've really kind of honed in on what exactly it is you need to achieve, accomplish, and master before you can get that job, set your plans for it, make a timeline, a realistic one, and then put everything you can possibly give into it without burning yourself out. Yeah, I think that organization is so important really for any career planning, but especially in cybersecurity. And, you know, I love that you've mentioned how you don't have to know all of the things when you want to get into cybersecurity. You don't even necessarily need to have an interest in the technicality. But I am interested in learning more about those who are wanting to get into cybersecurity. Where do you think they should start? What are the best resources that they can look into out of all of the ones that you've kind of browsed through? Mm-hmm. So I'm a really big advocate for education that is really poignant and really great information, but ideally is free. I think there's so much out there on the internet right now that paying for education when you don't have to is just kind of a last resort in my book. Certainly the, you know, the more granular education or specialized you're trying to get, yeah, you're probably gonna have to pay for it. But when you're first beginning, there's so many free resources online. To name a few, if you simply just put into whatever your favorite browser uh, search engine is and look up free cybersecurity courses, Harvard, Stanford, Yale, I could ramble on about certain universities that offer free introduction to cybersecurity courses all day long. Try Hack Me has a completely free option where you get access to so many different modules that it's insane. The great thing about Try Hack Me is a lot of it is hands-on. So you're not just sitting there and, you know, reading or getting a video or something of the sort. You're actually going through labs and they're free. Um, Other than that, I highly recommend Twitch, Discord, YouTube, Twitter. Those are some of the biggest places where free, top-notch information about cybersecurity is being proliferated. And you have so many people who are creating content because they want to help people get into cybersecurity. That if you simply go on Twitch or Discord or any of these places I've recommended, you're absolutely going to find extremely detailed, really fantastic 
content that these people have put a lot of effort into creating that's going to help you, you know, find your way into the field. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, it's definitely a lot out there. I know with, um, you know, we have a Slack community that our, our learners can go on and get advice from mentors and stuff like that. And, um, people who are preparing for different certifications, uh, like CISSP and security plus like you have. Um, and I see a lot of times that they meant, you know, the mentors mention, um, you know, often you can't rely on just one, you know, one course or one source of information. And is that something that you found and what other kinds of advice would you have for people seeking those certifications that you've gotten? So I don't have any experience in boot camps, which I feel like is kind of what we're referencing here with the one-stop shop that kind of promises that you'll get a job in cybersecurity. However, I have done thorough research and have friends who have tried the one-stop shop for cybersecurity, and generally they cost thousands of dollars and you don't end up getting a cybersecurity job at the end, which is why I really go back and kind of urge the thought of, Look at what resources you're thinking about using. Identify how much they're going to cost. What is the potential benefit of using that resource and kind of weigh your options? Um, you know, whether it's Cyberry or any of the other platforms online, there are much more affordable resources you can turn to to help you get a certification or attain a certain kind of knowledge that aren't going to cost thousands upon thousands of dollars. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. That said, for working towards certifications, this really goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier and being organized. There are so many different paths of certifications that you can take that it's really imperative that you identify which is going to help you get to where you're wanting to go. So for instance, what's really popular right now is the Security Plus certification. Why? Because a lot of HR or talent and recruitment people, they see that certification and it gets you past the quote unquote HR firewall. So even if you're more interested perhaps in the Network Plus from CompTIA or another certification from another vendor, you might want to guide your studies towards something that is proven, tried and true to help you kind of get into the front view of the HR people and help you land that job. Um, so I always recommend when you're trying to get a job, going online to all the different companies where you're looking to apply, looking at the job descriptions and comparing them to each other. What do you see most frequently that they're asking for? Out of the five that you're looking at, are four of them asking for a security plus? If so, you're probably going to want to set your sights on the security plus. After that, I would definitely try to hone in a little bit on what you're trying to specialize more in because certifications obviously cost money. They take a lot of time. You're probably going to have to detract yourself from your other areas of life that you enjoy, whether it's friends and family or hobbies. And it's just to make certifications useful at this point, especially when you're trying to get into the field. It can be really tempting to try to go after all the big name certifications. But at the end of the day, if you don't have that solid foundation of cybersecurity knowledge, they're not going to be as helpful as you're hoping for them to be. Yeah, great advice. Um, cool. Well, I, I'm going to try to slip in one more question here. I noticed on your YouTube channel, you you mentioned that you also like to talk about dogs. And I am a huge dog fan. I have three right now myself. And I wanted to know, do you still have your dog? 
and um, and how's she doing, Bella? I saw your picture of her. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> she is the spunkiest, most adorable dog. Um, she absolutely loves cybersecurity, and the reason I say that is because she loves sitting at my feet while I'm working because it's warm and she can just cuddle up next to me. So, yes, Bella, the Australian Shepherd, she's adorable, and uh, she says hello to everyone who's listening. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So I think that is all we have um, from our side. Do you have any questions for us? No, I think this was, you know, a really insightful and engaging conversation. I hope that everyone who is listening, specifically people who are struggling to get into the field, perhaps you feel a little bit more empowered or a little bit more level-headed about what you're trying to achieve. I my hope for anyone who's listening is that you can kind of take away from this that you are completely capable of getting into the field regardless of your situation. If you don't have money, if you don't fit the certain stereotype about who should or who shouldn't work in cybersecurity, if you don't have the education, whatever it is, I promise you there's a position for you in cybersecurity. You are needed, you are valuable, and we could definitely use your help. Wonderful words of wisdom from Meg West, aka Cybersecurity Meg. Thank you to everyone for listening in to the Cyberry podcast. Really appreciate your time, Meg. It was an honor to have you here. And you can check out the Cyberry podcast and other podcasts on our platforms on Google, Apple, and YouTube. And thank you so much for your time. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye. Cyberry the premier cybersecurity skill development platform, is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have already signed up when you visit www.cybrary.it.